Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Roots. My name is Alex Seeley. I am the host of this podcast. I am joined by the beautiful, most elegant and graceful person I've ever met. My wife, Megan. How are you, Megan? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I am so good. I appreciate your willingness to come on the podcast because this is a Bible talk podcast. We haven't really done anything up to this point um, like what we're going to do today. Listeners, have you ever dated? Have you ever (laughs) wanted to date? Have you ever gotten married and then been like, what the nuts? This isn't the way that I thought it would be. Well— Megan and I are here to help. I have a fun game for us to play today. Today is going to be me and my wife, who, by the way, we're marriage experts. We've been married since May of this year. Right now it's September, the end Mm -hmm. of September, the end of August, beginning of September, and at least when we're taping it. And so we know a lot about relationships, about dating. We've walked through a lot of, like, before we got married, deciding whether or not we wanted to be married, uh, going through some relationship DTRs throughout our relationship. And then here we are married. Mm-hmm. And it's the best decision I ever made. <laughs> I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or No, I'm so, I'm so genuine. It's the best decision I ever made oh, besides following Jesus. I'm sorry. I was referencing the fact that you said we're relationship experts. Oh, that is definitely sarcastic. Okay, good. We have a lot to learn. We've it, only been married for several months. So. It sounded like you were being sarcastic, and then you slowly became serious, and there was no distinction <laughs> between the two. So. You're right. You're right. Well, I appreciate you pointing that pointing yeah. that out so that our listeners can understand as well. Mm-hmm. So we have a really, really fun game. I have a hat, and inside are a bunch of sheets of paper with popular— Christian dating or marriage misconceptions. So we're going to take turns taking the hat and saying the misconception to the other person, and then we'll react to it. Mm -hmm. Is it true? (laughs) Probably not because it's a misconception. (laughs) But is it true? What's been our experience with it? How are we learning to walk through that? Mm -hmm. If this isn't something you want to do, go ahead and pop that bad boy off right now. Turn off the podcast because this is going to be about relationships, and it's me and my wife. So Mm -hmm. So— Where did you get these misconceptions? Did you create them yourself or did you like look them up? That's a great question, Megan. That's a beautiful transition. Guys, I didn't even prep Megan and she's already (laughs) reading my prep. I got these from a couple different Christian websites. I just did a quick Google search on popular Christian misconceptions on dating and marriage. Um, There was an article from Focus on the Family. We both work at Focus on the Family, so I thought it was reliable. Mm -hmm. It's from the Boundless website. Um, there was an article from Crosswalk, and there was an article from another website that I'll link in the show notes, just for credit's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's where we got these. This could be—you know what I'm worried about? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of worried that these are going to be straw man arguments, that no one believes these. Mm-hmm. And we're going to spend the next, like, 30, 40, 50 minutes dismantling these misconceptions that no one believes. Mm-hmm. I am nervous about that. Well— there's no way to know until we do it, so we might as well do so it. Have you looked well at all of these? I've looked at some. Okay, but not all. But I did print a lot of them out. And just cut them. Cut them up. Okay. And so let's start with me asking you. Okay. What you think about this, okay? Wow, putting me on the hot seat real quick. Ooh, ASMR. Yeah, I'm putting the, <laughs> putting the rustling <laughs> near the microphone so you guys get a good sense of what it likes to be in the room right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, Megan, here's misconception number one. God will reveal to you the man or woman that you are going to marry the moment you meet him or her. What are your thoughts? True I or false? I think that is false. 
Tell me why. I think you had me until you said the moment, the instant that you meet him or her. Hmm. I think this may be informed by stories uh, that many people have heard of certain pastors or figures in their life who do have those moments. For sure. Uh, which is something even you have talked about when we were yeah. dating. You heard stories like that, and it was really intimidating. Um, so I think I should say, I don't think it's inherently false. I think sometimes the Lord does that, and it's crazy to me. It seems like the the abnormality. I think more often than not, you do not know Yeah. the second that you meet someone. I think um, it's interesting that you said you— I had you until the instant. So you believe that God will reveal to you the man or woman that you're going to marry eventually. Yeah, at some point in dating, obviously. Yeah. That is, should be something that you're thinking about when you're dating someone uh, because you're trying to consider whether they're actually someone that you could consider being with for the rest of your life. Yeah. And so I don't think you should know that. Well, obviously, as I said, there are some cases in which you have this gut instinct that you feel confident is the Lord. But more often, I would say, you shouldn't necessarily feel the pressure to feel that quickly. Yeah. Because when you're getting to know someone, you're revealing different layers of them through different months. Like, you're just constantly learning more about them. Um, so it's really hard to make a super informed decision based off of a short impression. Yeah. Know? I think it's interesting— the idea of God revealing a spouse. Because I think, I mean, even with you, I don't know if there was a moment where I heard God's voice or I felt him radically move in my heart and my mind concerning you and whether or not to marry you. What I did have was the Bible, and I did have the descriptions of what a biblical <clears throat> good candidate for my wife would look like. Mm -hmm. And I also just didn't want to leave when I was dating you. I just wanted to stay with you. Yeah. So instead of having like this, wow, God revealed it to me. Mm -hmm. Not only did I not get that the instant I met you, but I also didn't get that really ever. It was just a process of slowly coming to the realization that, hey, I just want to be with this person. And the Bible gives me the green light because mm -hmm. she's a believer. She fears the Lord. I can see fruit in her life. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I feel like, though, that's a misconception about the word reveal. I feel like a lot of times you think you hear that and you think it it means the Lord has to, like, give you this big moment. Like, he needs to speak to you. You have this big defining turning moment where you realize for the first time ever with full confidence that this is the person you're going to marry. And I don't think it always looks like that. For mm -hmm. a lot of people, it does not look like that. It did not look like that for me. It was similar to you. But it is still a situation in which I would say the Lord was revealing to me and ultimately revealed to me, whether it was in one moment or, you know, slowly over time, that I had peace about the fact that I could mm. marry you That's in good. confidence. So it wasn't necessarily you are the one person that I am going to be marrying because I don't think there's—I think I could marry a lot of people yeah. and submit to them and, you know, have a happy life. But— just the Lord revealed that I could have peace walking into a marriage with you. Yeah. So Sweet. Anyway, that was just a clarification of terms. Love it. All right, my turn. Hit me. Okay. Let's go with this one. Okay. Alex, misconception number two. More dating choices will make you satisfied. Hmm. I assume that's meaning the more people I date, the more satisfied I will be with my spouse because I will have chosen from a larger sample size. 
I'm assuming I, that's what it means. I guess that's what it means. Can you say it again? I th- more dating choices will make you satisfied. Yeah. I think that's what it's talking about. Like, mm-hmm. maybe I should just date a bunch of different types of people mm-hmm. to really just kind of see what I like, yeah. you know? I think that that's a misconception because it's coming at marriage with a perspective that it is self-serving and transactional. Mm-hmm. Because in every other relationship in our life, I shouldn't really say every other relationship in our life, but specifically with who you marry, I think that's probably the biggest lie mm-hmm. in our culture is that your spouse is a provider of your comfort, your peace, your enjoyment, your identity, your meaning. Mm-hmm. They're really just taking God's place. Yeah. For people that don't know God, and even for people who do know God, spouses can still hold that sway. Mm-hmm. So having that perspective of, I need my spouse to transact and give me all these things, mm-hmm. I think that that misconception comes logically. Yeah. Like, yeah, I would want to try out a lot of different people from a lot of different cultures, maybe even different tastes, different hobbies that they have, different looks, different hair color. Like, what do I like? You know, because it's all about getting a spouse that I like, Mm -hmm. right? And I think the reality of marriage, at least through the Christian worldview, is that marriage is an opportunity God gives us to show love, Mm -hmm. not receive love, Mm -hmm. and to trust Him for our identity and meaning as opposed to trusting our spouse for meaning and identity. Um, Timothy Keller has a great quote where he says that if we— love our spouse more than we love God, we will be a horrible spouse Mm -hmm. because we have these expectations that we put on our spouse that crush them Mm -hmm. of like, yeah, you have to give me all of the satisfaction in my heart. And we are greedy, greedy people Mm -hmm. when it comes to satisfaction. So we'll just crush our spouse. Yeah. Um, So I think that's where it comes from. Personally, as long as, as far as like the dating misconception of like, I have to date a lot of different people Mm -hmm. to decide what I want slash get a lot of experience so I know what's best for me. Yeah. I think there are a lot of examples in the Bible of people that, I mean, dating is a pretty recent mm-hmm. thing, right? And in the last like 200 years, dating has been around. Before that was like courtship. And before that, it was really just like mm-hmm. arranged marriages, basically. Yeah. So there's a lot of examples of biblical marriages laid out in scripture that had nothing to do with dating. So I think that's a misconception. Yeah. It's interesting, though. I would say ultimately it's a misconception, but I think— me being a very logical, practical-minded person, mm-hmm. I do see how it can be somewhat informed by elements of truth. In that, I agree the very wording of the question insinuates that you're getting married for your own satisfaction, and that will ultimately never satisfy you. It's kind of a funny oxymoron mm-hmm. in that. But um, I do see how there is sometimes value in having dated other people Not to say you should date other people just to find this out. But if you're having healthy marriages and, I mean, healthy dating (laughs) relationships, excuse me, and you're you're genuinely pursuing them in a God-honoring way and it ultimately does not work out, then I do think there is a benefit of, like, I don't need to feel guilty or, like, I did something wrong or I messed up because I broke up with this person ultimately. Um, But rather you can look back on it as this experience of, like, okay, like, we were trying our best. We were genuinely, like, seeking seeking the Lord in it. And I ultimately came to a realization that there might be some things that I find are important to me in a spouse. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're selfish things, but they're just things that balance you out, that, like, pull the best out in you as, like, a believer, not just as a person, if that makes sense. Yeah. So 
I'm agreeing that it's not ultimately good at all, but I do think there might be instances in which there are little specks of truth to it. Yeah. I think with what you just said, I think the key thing is dating in a godly way, mm-hmm. in a biblical way. And that's kind of tough because the Bible doesn't say a ton about mm-hmm. dating. It says a lot about marriage and a lot about commitment. And I think there is an important thing there mm-hmm. in that the Bible talks more about marriage than it does dating and that there should be more, I don't know, conversation and talk and emphasis in our Christian life on marriage as opposed to dating. Mm-hmm. What I love about the podcast Becoming Something from Harris Creek Baptist Church uh, with Pastor Jonathan Pecluda, uh, he says that dating is like modern Western concepts of dating is not training people for biblical marriage, it's training people for divorce because mm-hmm. it's treating your partner as disposable mm-hmm. and it's also treating you to look for variety. And like, if you're really not satisfied with your girlfriend, you can dump them. Come on. Mm-hmm. Like, we can just like move on and find someone that would make us happier. Yeah. Um, whereas in a biblical marriage, you aren't looking for anyone else. And you're not stuck with that person, but you are stuck with that person. You're Mm -hmm. covenanting with them and agreeing to never leave. Mm -hmm. And something he says about dating is, and it's so good, dating is not sinful. It's not outright horrible. But it should be going out with people and deciding whether or not they are going to be a good spouse and finding out as quickly as you can whether or not they're that person. Come up with a list of biblical like attributes that you want in a spouse, um, not like cherry picking, like I want him to be tall and look like a Dorito. Mm-hmm. Um, but having an idea of what you think a good spouse looks like and then searching for that. And as soon as you find it, lock it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the danger in dating a lot of people or even several people is that you get, in, and I know this was my story, getting into a mindset of like almost test driving mm-hmm. your girlfriend and kind of like, well, let me see like, how much I can get out of this person without fully committing, mm-hmm. which is definitely a fleshly, not biblical perspective on dating, I suppose. For sure. Okay. Good thoughts, Megan. I just want to say you're doing great. Thank you. Appreciate you. You're doing wonderful. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Okay. And shout out to our exes uh, who are listening to this undoubtedly wishing they were married to us. And um, hey, listen, Megan, it might be true. They could no. be out there. At least Many fine. of our My, exes fine. are married. My exes. Happily. Fine. <laughs> Uh, I'm being I'm being sarcastic, obviously, but um, know that you guys are part of our story. To your, to your answer, <laughs> Megan, I'm trying okay. to tie it through. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Next misconception: a baby will bring you closer. Megan, what are your thoughts on like in marriage? If you're feeling distant, you know we should just have a baby. A baby's going to bring us closer. I don't think I've ever heard that. That really? seems at like I actually have. That seems like chaos. Wow. Because my instinct is that a baby is when your marriage starts getting hard. <laughs> and I At least think, that's what everyone says. I think that's relatively informed. I agree. Um, obviously, there's aspects where you're like, wow, we made a child and this is ours and that's so precious. But beyond that, you're sleep deprived. You're you exhausted. You have a lot less money, yes. later on. Yeah, later on specifically. But when it's still a baby even, when you're not spending too much money, It's just so much work. You have less time to be just intimate with you and your spouse. Mm. You have less time to go on dates. You have less ability to just be spontaneous and do something that excites you. Like your life from that moment on is so much more selfless in the sense of you're giving up even the stuff that makes your partner happy. Like so often when you're 
married and you're and you don't have kids so much of your life is kind of centered around doing fun things but for your partner but ultimately it's fun for both of you so like when I suggest doing something you know spontaneous to like lift you up if you're in a bad mood or whatever that's me being selfless towards you but the result is that it will probably be fun for me as well yeah so it kind of feels as if you're just kind of always having a good time and that's not always true but oftentimes that seems to be what happens yeah but with a child, that same selflessness is not rewarded in the same way. Yeah. The selflessness of staying up with your baby when they're crying, the selflessness of letting your partner go and sleep for 30 minutes just because they can't, and you have to deal with the baby. Not to say de- like babies aren't fun to be with, I, you know, but you understand what I'm saying on the practical level. A lot yeah. of times they're just draining or they're exhausting. And so I think that is could not be further from the truth. <laughs> if that's true for some people, props to you. But I don't think that you're the common yeah. thread. Yeah. If you can't tell, we don't have a kid. Mm-hmm. And that's a blessing right now. If we did, the Lord would obviously provide the finances, the energy, the capacity, the patience, as he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think you're completely right. I think specifically with that misconception saying a baby will bring us closer, I don't think that's true. Crazy. Um, because I think— Intimacy is a weird thing because you don't really know what creates intimacy. It's kind of with different couples, it means it's different things. So, like, mm-hmm. for example, I know a lot of married couples that never play board games. And they're like, the way we commune and we wait, the way we grow our relationship is we go out and we like watch ballet or we go and we like see a football game or a basketball game. For me, not my cup of tea, but me, I do love a board game. Mm-hmm. So, like, when we play board games together, that ties us together Mm -hmm. in a way that maybe it wouldn't for someone else. But the whole point of those activities and those dates Mm -hmm. and those tying life together moments, as soon as you have a kid, you lose so much of your time. Mm -hmm. And it it goes to say that we have, you know, one nephew. His name is Isaiah. Mm -hmm. He's on the East Coast, and he's a small little baby child. Mm -hmm. And we've been able to see Megan's sister, Tiffany, and her husband, David, walk through being young being young, newlywed, married people, newlyweds as in like been married less than three yeah. years at this point, yeah. um, with a kid. And seeing their story and also, you know, having adult friends and working at Focus on the Family, we do see, and at least I see, mm-hmm. sweet elements to married couple parenting. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's impossible to have a kick butt marriage with a kid. Mm-hmm. Heck no. Like, yeah. it's totally readily available. You don't have to give up intimacy when you have a kid. Mm-hmm. Will a kid intrinsically draw you together? No. It becomes almost harder, mm-hmm. at least I would think, harder to become close and intimate because you just have less time. Yeah. And you have less energy and less sleep. Yeah. Um, I do think that greater intimacy can come from that because— You're, you're almost, in it together. You're in it together. Yeah. You're giving out of your poverty mm-hmm. and your, your lack of energy and lack of sleep. When you serve— your spouse out of that lack, it almost means a bit more than yeah. if you were to serve your spouse with a bunch of eight hours of sleep. Yeah. I guess if that makes sense. No, I hear what you're saying. And I agree. I was going to also preface, I think children will, like, can often make your your family stronger, for sure, mm-hmm. 100%. But I think the, the wording of, the baby, yeah. the wording of that <laughs> misconception makes it seem as if you're a couple who's not doing very well, and you think the solution is to add more to your plate. And I think that is where it is just very misinformed. And if you are thinking that right now, 
don't have a baby. Don't have a baby. <laughs> Let's offer you a big red light uh, to say don't have a baby until you figure out what's going on in your relationship. Because yeah. you're right. The wording of that is like, oh, we're really going through some hard times. We should probably have a baby. Maybe get a plant first. Okay. Maybe get a dog. Or maybe figure out your marriage. Megan, you make a good point. Hey, y'all. Hope you are enjoying the content. Quick thing. Uh, I am still hoping to give $100 away to a Roots listener. That is right. I am not completely broke, at least yet. Uh, All you have to do is leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Snag a screenshot of that review. DM it to me here on Instagram at roots.pod. Again, that's roots.pod. Once I receive 100 submissions, I will raffle off $100 to one lucky reviewer. Okay, that's all. Please do it. Get some cash, help the show, all the good stuff. Back to the show. Thanks. Yeah, that one was kind of crazy. I really don't think I've heard that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's funny, though, because I have. I have heard that. I have From people. real, genuine people who genuinely believe it? I can't cite my sources. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. All right. Misconception, you're too picky. What does this mean? I think this means, and I've— I remember where I got this, though. This is pertaining to people who are looking for a spouse who can't find one. And okay. so a misconception is, well, you're just being you're being a little too picky. You know, just like, just find a dude. You know, settle mm-hmm. down. Get married to, I don't know, that guy on the street. Go mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. Um, you know, that's interesting, Megan, because I often, in terms of searching for a spouse, I often overemphasize the fact that you really could be married to any Christian. Mm-hmm. That's often where I fall yeah. because I think there's a bigger problem, at least with young people in our generation, and maybe it's shared by other generations, but there's a big problem in our generation of, I think, being too picky mm-hmm. and wanting the perfect person, wanting the Disney fireworks to be consistently going off in your heart and have that be the green light for whether or not to get married. Mm-hmm. I think it was really healthy for me when the Lord taught me that I really can commit to Megan if I don't have those Disney fireworks in my heart all the time. Yeah. And maybe this preconceived checkbox that I have won't be all checked off. Mm-hmm. And that's really okay and, in fact, normal yeah. and healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that response of like, oh, come on, you're too picky. You can just have anybody. I do think it's important to have standards. Yeah. Okay. I think it's important to get married to someone that you're proud to be with. Mm-hmm. And by nature of people being sinful and wicked, there will be moments when you're married to someone and you look at them and you're like, oh man, I just, I wish you were a little more sanctified. You know, Mm -hmm. I just see the sin in you. Mm -hmm. Guarantee you that's happened with you looking at me when you're like, hey Al, I need you to be a little less (laughs) sensitive right now, okay? Mm -hmm. I just need you to be a little more confident in your identity in the Lord right now as opposed to your preconceived identity of what a husband should be. Mm -hmm. I think that too. Um, But I do think it's important to have an idea of what a healthy spouse looks like when you're looking. Mm-hmm. And to be okay if you don't find that immediately. But what you don't want to do is make the undying promise to always serve someone that just aggravates you all the time. Yeah, And stuff that maybe not sin-related. Like if you really dislike, let's bring back the ballet sports thing. If you really dislike ballet and sports, maybe don't go to ballets and football games looking for a spouse. Mm-hmm. Maybe try to find some shared interests, but again, not a primary 
mm-hmm. focal point of what should be your spouse's attributes, mm-hmm. that would be—it would be helpful, though, to be married to someone that shares your hobbies. Yeah. And shares, I guess, chemistry might not be the right word, but you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. A spark, a, some form of just interest. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would agree. I feel like this is one of those questions that does come up a lot. And it's not super simple to answer because the reality is you can't—you should not be too picky, but you should also have standards. Like even having some friends who are single, who are like older than me or just reaching that point, early 20s. They're just like, you know, you start to have questions of like, okay, now is there something that I need to adjust in how I'm approaching this? Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's not a super simple answer, like you said. Sometimes I think, that might be the case. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of times people are too picky because I agree in that. I think sometimes people need to realize that there is no perfect spouse. Mm-hmm. There's no perfect person. And marriage ultimately will look the same, no kind of no matter who you're with, to a degree, in that there are going to be instances in which you are happy and you're having a good time with them. And there are going to be moments in which— they are doing something that is just annoying mm-hmm. or frustrating or you're kind of embarrassed by it, or just like those little quirky things that you don't like. Like that's just the reality. But that's just going to be how it is with anyone. So in that degree, you can't hold your spouse up to this super high standard because it's almost unfair to expect that of them when you can't even look at yourself and say that you never do anything that's a little annoying or mm-hmm. you're a little too— snappy with the person because you're in a bad mood or like you're hungry and hot and and impatient and like not in a good mood like that's just not realistic yeah and I do think I sometimes have seen that in young people when they are just a little too picky and I understand where it comes from because you do want to make sure marriage is super important it's a really big decision and you should take it very seriously um but at the same time you kind of just have to do it so that's why I see that's what I'm saying. It's kind of hard to, to to respond to that. So I would say your standards should be there, but they should be the baseline are is this person walking with the Lord in the yeah. way that the Bible says that they should. Look at First Corinthians 13. Are they patient? Are they kind? Are they, you know, just go through that list. That's something I used to do. Is like love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. Is the person I'm with patient and kind? And of course, they're not going to be these things all the time, but are they exhibiting the desire to strive to be that thing? Mm -hmm. Are they naturally kind of, you know, seeking the Lord in that? And I think that's the standard you should have. But everything else, be less picky on and be more grace-giving, you know? So if you're looking at someone and you're like, they're kind of rude to servers, that's not being too picky. But if it's like, I don't know, sometimes they eat food in this weird way that really, like, kind of gets on my nerves. That's a great point. Then that's too picky. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes this is another thing that I think is really important. Sometimes those little situations will come up with people who are dating or, like, talking, kind of interested. And some weird quirk will come up that they're like, I don't know, they kind of did something that was weird. It maybe rubbed me the wrong way, but it's not inherently bad. And then the response is to be like, so I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work. Hmm. And so often I tell people, you just need to talk to people. If you're like talking to someone or dating someone and they do something that kind of rubs you the wrong way, your instinct should not be to say, okay, so they're not made for me. It should be, oh, let me just let them know so that they can maybe work on that if they know it bugs me. Or they can say like, oh, well, why does it bug you? It's like important to me to do this for this reason. So you're able to just build like a relationship on 
genuinely just trying to be selfless and, like, serving one another. Because that's what literally marriage is. Yeah. Because you can also see how that person reacts to that conversation. Mm -hmm. And if you're not married to them and you bring up something, hey, it's kind of important to me that you stop eating in this weird way because it weirds me out. Mm -hmm. Kind of puts me off my food when you're eating like that. Yeah. If they respond with humility, gentleness, self-sacrifice, or something that like you see some potential that that might come along, be a bit picky on that, obviously, but um, then that's probably a good candidate for a spouse. If they mm-hmm. respond with defensiveness and, you know what, get lost, I'm independent, I'm going to do this my way, mm-hmm. just know that if you get married to them, you're signing up for that. Yeah. And you might make it easier on yourself if they're more humble and sacrificing. I think the biggest thing with this question and just looking for a spouse in general is like, do you see God working in their life to sanctify them in their life? Mm-hmm. Because truly— If you get married to a Christian that is walking in the Word and is walking by the Spirit, Mm -hmm. God is going to be sanctifying them all the time. Yeah. At least in a perfect world and if he's in his Word or if she's in her Word. But that is like the surest promise of what's to come Mm -hmm. because God promises us that we he's going to work on us until— like we're perfect mm-hmm. and he won't stop sanctifying us. And that's encouraging for a spouse yeah. to know that, hey, my my God has my spouse in his hands and he is refining them. Mm-hmm. And the more he refines them, not to be selfish, but the better it is for me because they're more patient. They are more kind. They are more loving. Mm-hmm. And that is what a healthy relationship is built off of. Centered around the Lord, of course. Yeah. Okay. Great answers. You're doing Thank great. You. Thank you. Okay. Next one. Getting married means that you're mature. I feel like this one is a sneaky one. I don't know if I have anyone in my life that are saying, oh, man, I wish I was married because that means I'm mature. Mm -hmm. Um, But here's me talking when I'm supposed to be kicking it to you. What are your thoughts? (laughs) Getting married means that you're mature. Um, I'd say once I would agree. It's kind of a tricky question. Um, And I'm reminded of some advice that my dad gave me. I remember when Alex and I were dating for a little bit and I first started getting the thought of like, this might be a guy that I— Oh, yeah. Okay. That's right. <laughs> this might be a guy that I kind of want to potentially like be with forever. Like I started genuinely considering that just in my brain. When that happened, I didn't start talking to Alex about it. I was just trying to figure out what I felt about it. And I love my dad. I'm very close to him. So at one point I remember asking him, like, Dad, do you think like I'm— ready to get married like do you think I'm at that point that I could do something like that because that's a weird phase of life to transition from from being in like college and you're like woo, young and crazy and then suddenly one day you're like marriage (laughs) so it's weird so I remember just asking him and he gave me advice that really stuck with me and it really like encouraged me I think going through that process of he was like you're never fully, like, no one's ever really ready completely for marriage because you don't know what it's going to be like until you get there. Hmm. Like, there are similarities in all marriages, of course, but everyone's marriage is also very unique. The The issues that you come across, unique. The problems that you have to deal with, the conflicts that you have, like, the dynamics that you need to figure out, they're all going to be unique. So... You're never at a place where you're like, I'm I'm ready to do marriage well. I've reached this level of maturity where now that's an option for me. Yeah. And so he was like, so, so to answer that question, I would say like, no. 
But also, are you in a place that you're willing, humbly before the Lord, to, like, figure it out? Hmm. He didn't necessarily say that exactly, but, you know, he just was kind of talking me through that. And I remember that was a very freeing concept because there is pressure when considering marriage to be like, this is such a big deal. Like, do I need to, like, fast for 30 days to, like, really get close to the Lord, to really be ready for it? There, I would say there are people who I could say are not ready for marriage. I agree. To a degree. If you're not mature enough in your faith to understand what you're entering into. But if you have a healthy grasp on, like, what marriage is biblically and what it should be modeled as based on Scripture, and you also have a healthy acknowledgement of, like, but I know I'm imperfect, but I yeah. want to be able to, like, give my effort to this— then that's about all you can do. Yeah. So to answer, are you mature? In, in, in one way, I would say you are. You're mature enough to say, hopefully, in a, on a very serious spiritual level, I'm ready to like commit my life to someone, and I understand what that means as much as I can at this point in my life. So obviously, I'm going to understand what marriage means to a degree, so much more in 20 years. But— at the age of 21, I understood as best as I could based off of the Bible, based off of talking to my parents and other mentors of what I was getting myself into. Right. And at that point, I was I was just still confident that I wanted to do it. So there's a maturity that comes from it, but you're never going to be like fully mature, if that makes sense. Perfect sense. I personally think that defining terms for this one specifically is really important because the misconception is getting married means that you're mature. Um, mature, like what does that even mean? If you're a Christian, mature will mean something different to you than if someone is not a Christian. Because to someone who's not a Christian, being mature means maybe owning a home or having a stable job or Mm -hmm. being, I don't know, finding yourself. You know, that's what maturity is. But from a biblical point of view, spiritual maturity is completely separate from your life circumstances, to Mm -hmm. be completely honest. Regardless of your job, regardless of whether or not you have a spouse, whether or not you're married, spiritual maturity is how much are you really relying on the Lord and how much do you look like Jesus? Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. And so I know people that are single that are more mature than old married couples that maybe don't know the Lord or even some that do know the Lord, you know, and they're just more— mature in that they look more like Jesus. They have more fruit. And obviously, it's not mine to judge, you know, how much, you know, is someone is saved. But you can see it. You can see when someone has fruit and when someone is mature. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that I would ever really tie marriage to spiritual maturity. I do think, along the lines of what you were saying, it takes a level of—let me say it this way. When you're young, you have a lot of freedom. And when you're married, you give a lot of that freedom up, specifically Mm -hmm. the freedom to date somebody Mm -hmm. that you meet at a coffee shop, the freedom to pick up and move Mm -hmm. to an entirely different city because you only have to take care of yourself. So there is that freedom there, Mm -hmm. whether or not you're a Christian, like when you're young, that is part of your life. And I do think it takes a level of maturing to give that up Mm because I think that's a sign of, of spiritual maturity and biblical maturity is giving up your rights, which is mm-hmm. what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. And that's looking more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely think getting married can make you more mature. 
And I definitely know people that are married that are the most immature people. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So it's weird to tie them together, but I do think if you're if you're getting married for the right reasons too, it can definitely bring a lot of mm-hmm. extra maturity juice in your tank. <laughs> yeah. No, I do hear what you're saying. I do almost want to respond and maybe push back or maybe caution in a bring way. It. When you when you when you describe it as how much does somebody look like Jesus kind of as this basis of how spiritually mature they are there yes that's true i don't fully disagree with it but i would almost i would almost caution you if you're younger to take that too too far mm-hmm. and you almost um, become legalistic about it yeah or once again kind of have this too pickiness of oh they did something that was kind of like not cool oh they're I see not what you're a, you know what i'm saying yep. um and this is something i remember i also used to talk to my parents about um where my mom Wow, my parents are really coming in clutch for this. But my mom just gave me the wisdom once of when you're dating someone and you're young, in your 20s, you can be spiritually mature for sure. But that still is going to look different than when you're married to them at the age of 40. So I remember something I used to struggle with was I really look up to my dad and how he lives his life and the type of Christian and believer he is and the way he leads our family. And so that was kind of like the standard. The, the physical, tangible example yeah, of thanks. the type of hus- like husband I wanted one day. Um, and I remember my mom really pushed the brake on that. And she was like, honey, like your father is 40 years older. Yeah. Well, not, no, not 40 years older, dad. You're not that old. Like 30 years older than the people you're dating. Mm-hmm. And your dad did not look like he did now. He does now back when I married him. Now, I loved him, and he was an amazing Christian when I married him, for sure. But there is 30 years of wisdom and, like, sanctification and growing with the Lord that happened in between those two points in time. So don't hold a 20-year-old to the standard of your 45-year-old dad's Christian walk. That's practically just so unfair. They have so much less time to develop that. So obviously, yes, do they look like Jesus? And the way they treat people and the way they're kind, of course, take that into account. But it, don't hold them to such a high standard that they're like, they need to be Jesus because they Absolutely. won't be. Yeah. And so even that's like, just my caution with yeah. that piece of advice. Yeah. I think even with people that have been, you know, lead pastors of a small congregation for, you know, 60 years and they're mm-hmm. 80 years old, they're like the most, from our perspective, like righteous, holy looking people. Mm-hmm. Compared to Jesus, it is like black and white compared to the holiness of God. And yeah, do not think that maturity Mm -hmm. spiritually looking like Jesus, which I do think it is, is like a place that you get to. Mm -hmm. Instead, it is a progression. And you see someone slowly maturing over time, which is the way the Lord sanctifies us and glorifies himself. Mm -hmm. And so specifically with that misconception, being mature— you have to be mature to get married or being married makes you mature. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you should try and marry someone who shows that trajectory of looking like, oh, they're mature-ish now for where we're at right Mm -hmm. now in life. And as we get older, I can see their trajectory and I can see that they're pushing to become, for example, like you said, like my dad. Mm -hmm. I think (laughs) Lisa Anderson from Boundless at Focus on the Family says, uh, please don't try and find a John Piper today. 
mm-hmm. you know, to marry. Because, you know, you're not going to find him. Because yeah. John Piper, when he was 20, wasn't John Piper. John Piper. When he's 60. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, good answers. That's a, that's a great, great word of advice. Yes, yes, yes. Next misconception. Hit me. All right. Do you want to do a speed round? Speed round. Okay. I'll give you five. Okay. Give me quick. That's just, just quick. You got it. All right. Misconception. I will never feel lonely when I'm married. Absolutely trash. That is something that can happen because even if you have someone that has promised to love you forever, sometimes you guys don't get along and that can breed loneliness. Bam. Good answer. I would agree. Uh, if you're married and you still don't have a good uh, biblical community, it's really hard to Absolutely. feel uh, not lonely all the time. So uh, find yourself Bible community, whether you're married or not. Mm. Amen. All right. You have to be friends with a man or woman before you can date. Um, I don't think so. Okay, this is a weird one. <laughs> I can't be fast about this. You don't have to have the natural progression of, wow, we were friends for 13 years, and then we finally decided that we're married. Mm-hmm. I think that you can date someone right when you meet them. That was kind of what happened with me and Megan. We knew each other for several weeks before we asked each other out. Yeah. I asked her out, and look at us, we're married. Yeah. Uh, I would agree. To say you ever have to be friends before dating or getting married is, I think, you should never make a generalized statement like that. Um, I think it's a healthy goal, though. Yeah, generally, you should be able to be friends with your husband or your wife. That's That's really the important. point. I started dating Alex pretty soon, and I immediately liked him. I was not friends with him before I met him. But through t- getting to know each other, we became good friends, and then I liked him still. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. That's my it. thought. Okay. If you do all the right things, God will bring you a spouse. Ooh, false. Uh, do all the right things. What does that mean? Be perfect like Jesus? We can't. We are sinful and wicked and fallen. But all the right things, if you, if, if you think that that means just going to church and praying and reading your Bible, then God will reward you with a worldly thing. I think that shows your priorities. and I think it shows that you might <laughs> be using God to get something as opposed to going to God because he is the thing. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That was, you really called some people out right there. <laughs> All right, you must know what you want before going on a date. No way. Yeah. Um, I think you, like we've said before, though, I think we should have a like a goal post of, I think he should be a Christian. That's biblical. Mm-hmm. I think he should be humble. That's biblical. Um, I think he should be showing fruit. Mm-hmm. That's biblical. But... Um, I think it means in, in in regard of what you want the relationship to be. Do you need to go into a date knowing I want to date this person because I think I want to marry them? Oh, absolutely not. Because oh. dating is absolutely the way that you find out more about that person, mm-hmm. at least if you're doing it healthily. Yeah. Uh, and the more you find out about the person, the easier it is to decide to marry them. Yes. Good. Fast answer. I would agree. Um, when you're young, I would say have fun with dating. Not in a reckless way. But go on dates with people. If you're kind of interested, if you vibe with someone, if you have a good time with someone, go on a date with them. But don't be smooching everyone because that might not be great for your brain. Okay, yeah. Obviously, do it healthy. But have a good time. Just go out and see what happens. You never know. Enjoy your young young life. All right. Be prepared for sex to get boring. Um, be prepared. Well, you know what's weird about that? That insinuates that you're having sex before you get married. It does, actually. Um, and also, I think there are—I think a healthy perspective is sometimes— not even just sex, but life in general with your person when you get married is going to be boring sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think what's weird about that question is it assumes that when you become one with someone and you commit to one person, then that makes it boring because there's not variety. Mm-hmm. And that's because in this culture, we worship variety, mm-hmm. not commitment. Mm-hmm. And so I think what you should be 
getting excited about is having sex become more exciting because you get to experiment in safety with one person for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. as opposed to having the insecurity and unsafeness of someone knowing you that deeply Mm -hmm. and might be leaving the next day. Yeah. What do you think? I would agree. I don't think you should be I think sex can be boring at any point in your life when you have it and sex can be amazing any point in your life when you have it. And it all depends on just your perspective on it and your intentionality with it. If you're going into it expecting to just, yeah, we're married, let's just have sex, let's just do the thing without any thought, without any care, without any... Intentionality. Yeah. Then, of course, it's going to result in something that becomes laborious and a task, and that's not what you want. But also, if you want variety, because that is kind of what our culture tends to promote, is you want to switch it up and try a bunch of different things. You can try a bunch of different things with your husband. But just do it with one person. Don't switch up the partner. So just learn someone really well. Figure out what they like. Figure out what they don't like. And if you find one really good thing and you get a little tired of it, find another really good thing. Like, just be intentional with sex and it shouldn't be boring. And what's great about the Lord is he actually designed sex to be enjoyed by two people for life. Mm. And so— if we are really chasing what the standard of sex is, which God has set before us, mm-hmm. know that it's designed for two people. So if sex is just for excitement um, or if sex is just for you, mm-hmm. maybe you should reorient it and be uh, mindful about what does God say sex is? Mm-hmm. What sex is actually laying down my life yeah. as opposed to getting a high. Yeah, And you can give that whenever. Mm-hmm. Anytime in your marriage, you can give up your life for your spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a little bit of a tangent, but please, is this the last one? Yeah, this is the last one of our <laughs> supposed speed round. Speed round. Um, always say what is on your mind. I think that there are many wicked thoughts that go through my mind because I am a fleshly person. Mm-hmm. I am not uh, in the new earth. I am a, I'm a wicked person, and I have a lot of thoughts that I actually need to get captive to Christ. I need to capture them. That's mm-hmm. what the Word says, and to— renew my mind and actually renew means that something is old and bad in my head and I need to renew it. And so I think what would be a horrible decision in a dating relationship or in your marriage is to have a thought that could be not accurate. It could be unnecessarily blunt and not tender. And if you genuinely think it, if your instinct is to say, I have to tell this person everything on my mind, you could really hurt them for literally no reason. When a lot of thoughts in my head should stay there, and they should actually be crucified rather than expressed. Mm-hmm. You're losing the speed factor. I just want I to say know. that. Um, I would say you should not do that. Uh, I think you should think before you speak at all times, and a lot of times that might look like sleeping before you say what you're what you're feeling and yeah. what you're processing. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue, baby. Mm-hmm. You got to watch what comes out of there. Yeah, no. The, the idea that you need to be completely 100% honest, obviously always be honest with your spouse, but honest in the sense of like say every single thing you mean absolutely not no because you still need to become master of your own tongue come on all right well we have loved having you guys here for this really actually genuinely it was a fun game for me yeah i had a good time with you megan Mm -hmm. uh megan i really want to appreciate you sitting in the chair opposite me and joining me on Roots, the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for hanging out. Yeah, thanks for having me and telling me 20 minutes ago that we're doing this. You're so welcome. You really know me now. (laughs) Uh, So we appreciate everyone for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed. Um, If this was encouraging to you, please Mm -hmm. hit us up on Instagram at roots.pod. 
Um, we would love to answer some questions too about relationships. We are not experts. Yeah. We have been married for several months now, but we'd love to talk. Yeah. We'd love to grow and learn with you guys about relationships, about marriage. And so please, you know, DM us a question if you have one about mm -hmm. relationships, about marriage. We'd love to talk about it uh, or just about anything really in general. Yeah. And again, that's Instagram at roots.pod. And as always, if you want to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that is entirely helpful uh, for the show. And it's also just fun to read. So we appreciate you guys. Thanks for hanging out. And we will see you guys next time. Bye.